0: Thank you once again for tuning into the Psychedelic Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Marie, and today we are with Mike, our first new panel member, because as you know, we have two. We also have Zach, and in this episode, we talk a little bit about the ego in a way that everybody can pretty much understand. So to start that off, I'm going to ask them a question, and it's going to be a super fun episode. Do you think that ego and personality are synonymous? Rob, you can go first.
1: The personality is like the surface level of who you are. The ego, it's more of like a whole part of yourself. Although it's not the deepest part of yourself, in my opinion, I think that's your soul. There's a separation there. Hmm. But I think personality goes even more surface than ego.
0: Good perspective. What's Mikey? Gotta say.
2: I mean, I definitely would say that the ego and the personality are synonymous insofar as what a synonym is because things that are synonymous with each other, you can have a collection of things.
0: Oh, so you're taking one angle and you're creating more angles from that angle. I
1: feel like they overlap at a certain point for sure.
0: Psychotherapists actually think that it's different from the ego, aka your individual self. The word ego might be used for that unified part of somebody's personality It's defined as the individual's conception of himself. Mm. The self is sometimes understood as the core of personality, which is where we will get into superego and id in a little bit. After Rob asks this question.
1: I forget what all that is like the superego.
0: Come on, you didn't do ninth grade
2: psychology?
1: I can use context clues to kind of see where they're going (laughs) with that. All
2: right, easy analogy. Ego's you. Id is the devil on your shoulder. Super ego is the angel on the other.
1: Oh, super ego is is positive. That was perfect. I didn't know that.
0: Well, it supersedes the Mm. ego, but it's still essentially connected. And this is something I'll have to repeat that to all of our listeners out there. Sigmund Freud developed this concept. So you want to ask that question?
1: As I'm looking at the answer. So I'm not going to answer. No, don't answer. When does ego develop? Do you think?
0: Hmm.
2: Isn't it a great question? It is. And I think that all right. Develop or begin? That's a great question. It
1: says develop. I don't know if that means completed. Well, I think so that means if completed. it comes down to
2: develop, I don't think that we ever do truly.
0: That's a good perspective. Could you please elaborate on that?
2: Well, because it just kind of comes down to like we're always learning and we're always overcoming. Kind of like the classic saying where you're like, when I was 15, I laughed at my five-year-old self. When I was 25, I laughed at my 15-year-old self because you feel like you're always learning and moving on and you're defining yourself further and further.
0: That's a great philosophy on how to look at this. I think that the question really was more baseline in terms of when does it begin to develop?
2: I was going to say like three or four years old.
0: You got it.
2: Is that correct?
0: Yeah, three. is three. Oh, really? Wow, look at that.
2: Okay, so one through three is the beginning stages, and then essentially got the development around three. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, around three or four is when I feel like you have your earliest signs of being like, I don't like this. I don't like this. You know what I mean? Right. It's the first signs of, I believe this is right or wrong
0: what's interesting is I'm sure a lot of people believe the ego is something that is just attached to your personality. And that is true to some extent, but it also goes past that. There's no way that a child that was raised by wolves could actually develop an actual human ego. The whole nature versus nurture aspect comes into this because They might not have what you would call a bad ego, but they might not have a good one either, depending on how they were raised, how they were treated as children, who they were surrounding themselves with at such a young age. So interesting that some psychotherapist decided it starts at three years. That's a really young age to be saying, oh, you're developing a large ego.
1: Especially when growing up and maturing ages one through three, people are going to be making decisions for you, you're going to be subjected to whatever you're subjected to that's decided for you. So I guess it is kind of insulting to tell somebody to have a big ego because this is when it's materializing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how willing you guys are to talk about these kinds of things because I feel like these can be very touchy subjects almost, right? I love um, talking about this stuff. Oh, that's great. I really am happily surprised by the willingness to have these kinds of discussions because I don't know I feel like it's nature versus nurture with the variable of who you inevitably are maybe biologically right Mm -hmm. everyone reacts to different traumas or experiences based off of who they are I snuck off
0: like you said you would for your eggnog or whatever
2: oh man damn it I should have gotten my chocolate
1: no bellyache after you
0: can go get that yeah almond milk
2: ah yo you're too funny I don't just drink milk. But also <laughs> almond. Chocolate almond milk, you know? So fancy. I got regular ass milk, too. I mean, I'm not saying I only drink almond milk, but well, you're not I, a happened, true almond I don't know milk what clutter, it is. then. I oh, fell I in so. love with chocolate almond milk. Just chocolate almond milk. Yeah, Mikey he passion. only
0: drinks chocolate almond milk.
2: That's it. I'm definitely a child like that. <laughs> um, but I can see that. You who's?
1: <gasps> you Speaking like, this? My, uh,
2: you know, when you asked me about my last job, my wife would make me lunch because I have the best wife ever. Right. Aww. And I would bust out a sandwich. Classic. Right. Everyone has a sandwich. <laughs> then the next thing would be a plastic bag of chocolate Teddy grams.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> That's Followed That's by
2: it. a box of Yoohoo, maybe a bag of Gushers. And I remember one of my co-workers just turns to me and he goes, how old are you?
1: Those are classic entree companions for your lunch, though. Oh, just really? the, yeah, the best desserts after a lunch yeah. sandwich. Especially the Gushers were I always, love Gushers. always an addition.
2: Oh, I still day. love Gushers. I'm the epitome of the child who was like, oh, now that I'm an adult, I'm going to do exactly what I wanted to do.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that totally. was a
2: positive
1: influence was Gushers.
0: See, this is why we go this deep.
1: Everybody's a producer here at the Psyche Squad.
0: Psyche (laughs) Squad.
1: PP Productions.
0: Do you guys think that the ego is always bad?
2: No, I don't think it's always
1: bad. No, it can be the inverse. I mean, there's good and bad sides of the ego.
0: Those are very vague responses. Well, I mean,
1: (laughs) that's what we are as humans. That's the human condition is the duality of having to experience good and bad. Like you can't have... Happiness without sadness. You can't have one without the other.
0: The ego is the same way
1: because that's the core of who we are.
0: Not everyone thinks like that, unfortunately. But the people that are listening now... Well, it's true, guys. Little tidbit of very deep knowledge, actually. It goes a lot deeper than that. But usually ego is used as a negative connotation. Songs that talk about having a big ego, they're either flaunting it or they're saying it to someone else. It's not a good thing. Right. But the truth is the ego can yield very positive results. And it's such an important part of who you are. It's a conglomeration of all you've learned. That's why I'm guessing that they say three years is when it begins to develop because you're surrounded by those people, right?
1: It's true. But like, I don't really see a lot of people exerting their good ego or super ego. It seems like the toxic, malignant side of our bad ego has the capacity to be way more destructive than the good ego is in the other direction.
2: I'm trying to think about how many times I've seen it one way or the other.
0: One way or another.
2: Right, yes. Is that about the ego? One thing that I've always noticed is this. I can count usually more good things than bad, but the bad will blow up.
0: Okay, I get that.
1: I feel like all good things all that good. we exude stems from somewhere deeper than the ego. I think that stems from like the pure aspect maybe, of maybe ourselves.
0: there's no word for it. And we are going to all win a Nobel Prize for coming up with an addition to Freud's
2: system here. I'm sure that there's been more extrapolation on these theories since.
0: We just have to have a cool name. It would set us yeah, apart.
2: I'm sure there is <laughs> an extended philosophy it is a very fascinating topic, and I'm sure that there's a lot of deeper study into this in terms of psychology and therapy for that profession, because I feel right. like you would need to have a deeper understanding of those fundamental sides of the human psyche to help accomplish your job to Help other people with issues, right? Well, how would
1: they make money off of all the people's disabilities? That's and because stuff?
2: now everybody <laughs> thinks like
0: that, unfortunately. So, look, we've right. got three like minded people here, which is pretty amazing, but also it's thought provoking because not everybody listening is going to agree with that. And that is the purpose of this. So, you guys were talking about good and bad ego. And I so badly wanted to say it's pretty much unhealthy or healthy ego. That's the difference. I'm kind of generalizing, okay. but. That is what it is. There's no bad or good ego. Yeah.
1: When you put it that way. Yeah. that's just
0: not right. That was in my blind spot.
1: But yeah, I mean, if somebody is hmm. exuding more positivity and you can feel the radiance from their vibe, mm-hmm. they probably do have an ego to some extent, but it's probably a healthy one it, because it they're is. a happy person. And they continue they're, to use it for good. Right, Their ego probably stems from mm. being proud of helping people and impacting people in a positive way just by being in the room.
2: I personally find that the people who are helping the most are oftentimes the most sad, not yes. unhappy, but dissatisfied with the way that the world is. Yeah. Or They're the trying
0: to that- do better. But you can
2: feel that. And So that's it's almost awesome. like that's the unhealthy side of the ego, though, right? Is that the damage that you feel from what you witness? Maybe this is me just ranting about it and just asking questions. Is it that there's a constant state of one, either healthy or unhealthy? Is it in flux?
0: I don't think it's a constant ever. Yeah, situationally based, second to second, day to day.
1: And trauma can skew your ego or your identity or your concept of yourself in such a weird way that maybe you have these defense mechanisms built Mm -hmm. in, but... Externally, it comes off as it's being happy. Oh, oh, I see. What you're saying. Because they have these defense mechanisms as like they're doing to it. Others so to there's there's yourself. some right. There's Let's so many variables. Like somebody could have been impacted, so they're skittish, shy, right. confused, I mean, aloof. All sorts of different character traits can stem from the limitless, varying degrees of trauma that everybody experiences differently
0: and feels differently. But we yeah. all are essentially the same. We just. Because of our ego, which is one of the most important components of who you are, and it can consistently change, you can choose to let your traumas affect you in a way that seems egotistical when you try to help somebody. But when it boils down to it, if you dealt with the trauma, I see that as a healthy part of your ego. Because you're Mm -hmm. helping yourself, but you're helping others as you do it. And you're not hurting anybody. That's what
1: you're supposed to do. A
0: lot of the negative sides of the mm-hmm. unhealthy ego people that are always consistently like that are generally somebody with narcissistic traits Yeah. most mm-hmm. of the time.
1: Yeah. It's like after something traumatic has happened to you, you have no choice but to try to prevent that from happening to somebody else because, you know, it already happened. You can't change that. That's the most positive recourse that you can take in terms of channeling that specific thing throughout your life.
0: It's good to help yourself, but you're helping others too. So it's like a win-win situation for your ego.
2: I think that by a certain point in your life, you've absolutely experienced it. And then after that, it's recognizing it. Whether it's your own narcissism or somebody else's, and you're like, why is this guy being an asshole? Or whatever the case may be, but you learn about the word narcissist And then you're like, so that's what that guy was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, because I feel like you learn words that describe the things that you've either always felt or known. I guess I'm just saying, like, there could certainly be a time where we could at least maybe say that we've recognized someone or yourself being a narcissist after now learning what it is.
0: Everybody has those traits. Yeah,
2: everybody
1: expresses narcissistic traits, but the personality disorder... What, it,
0: the DSM-5? Have you like ever seen the movie Revolver? I
2: feel like you would love that movie. What is it? <laughs> Revolver?
0: No? Revolver. Who's that by?
2: Guy Ritchie mm. is the director. He's known for Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Sketch. Oh.
0: Yeah, you like that movie. With the Jason Sherlock Holmes Statham.
2: movies with Robert Downey Jr. The Lock, Stock, and has Jason Statham in it. So does Revolver. Oh, I've seen it then. Cool. I've seen both of those. I haven't. Revolver oh, is Jason movie. Statham is the main character. It's actually a defeat of the ego movie.
0: Oh, what?
2: Yeah, the whole movie is an analogy about defeating the ego. That's ah. really
1: cool. I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of movies have that plot trope. Is that okay.
2: the right word? Trope. You could probably just say theme.
0: Yeah. Premise. Even. So
2: is trope more sophisticated? The trope, the I way. think, usually refers to characters.
0: Romance. Trope within the plot. Oh, like cliche. Well, it is cliche because nobody likes romance movies, but that's not what I meant.
1: You're talking about like Shakespeare?
0: No. Okay. I give up. Just Google it, everybody. Okay, it's
1: okay. (laughs) I'll be okay.
0: I want to really quickly do this here because we had brought up the id, the ego, and the superego earlier. So the id, for anybody that's listening still, hi. The id is the instinctual component of personality that's present at birth. It was Mikey that was explaining the devil and the angel on your shoulders.
1: The genetic components of yourself.
0: Yeah, it's the source of the bodily needs and wants, your emotional impulses. All of that, to me, can be tied to the
1: amygdala.
2: Lizard brain. Yeah, the reptilian brain. Yeah, the reptilian brain. Pleasure principle. So it's
1: like impulsive.
2: I'm hungry. I need to do something about this. Right. Sex. But you don't say, I'm going to go kill somebody and eat their meat you think to yourself, well, I don't like how animals are treated in the meatpacking industry, so I'm going to seek out a salad. Yeah. That would be the superego entering the id and then the ego making a decision.
1: Ah, very good. What if your ego was hoping that there was like E. coli on the romaine lettuce? Is that like a devious trickster ego?
0: Why would your ego ever do that I'm to just you? Kidding. Just your said, ego would never attack you. I just yeah, said I don't
2: some think your ego shit. necessarily plays tricks on I, you. I, I like yeah, that unless right you've right got now. some
0: serious disorder that is not even made up yet in the DSM 5 I just said so, <laughs> something.
1: I just said something semi-outlandish just to go <laughs> on your toes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something, and here's my ego, completely brilliant. The id is the soul's response to the reptilian brain. Unconscious. desires and oh. impulses
1: and sex and stuff in your face avoiding pain like i don't want to die i'm gonna look out for me that is it
0: physiologically your heart beats unconsciously and your eyes blink you don't have to try to make that happen the id is that part of who you are that is unconscious by definition
1: okay see what i mean that puts it into better perspective Yeah.
0: He covered it pretty well.
1: Yeah, bodily needs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, bodily needs. I mean, Freud was one heck of a guy. (laughs) He
1: was a weirdo. Was he inbred? He
0: did a lot of cocaine and heroin. He did a
1: lot of weird stuff.
0: And a lot of weird stuff as well.
1: Like Howard Stern.
0: No. (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) Okay, moving uh, on. That was a
1: reference to a previous episode. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah,
0: we we do Easter eggs a lot on accident. So, <laughs> so, the ego, according to the experts of the internet, there's 10 words or phrases that are associated with ego, which they had to put here that it's a noun. Yes, it is a noun. It's
1: pronounced e-go.
0: Go. There's a dot between it so that you can know how to say it right.
1: That's so a, That's a tough. One. Yes. Do you
0: want to read a couple of those, Rob?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I assume this is in order of importance, but... We'll see. You never know. So number one is Uh, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. A boost to my ego. A boost to my ego. Why does number two just say that?
0: Just skip it.
1: Okay, so there's nine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two is self-esteem. Number three is self-importance. Number four is self-worth. Number five is self-respect. Six, self-conceit. Seven, self-image. Eight, self-confidence. Nine. Amor propre. Amor proper. <laughs>
0: propre. So. Yeah. Yeah. she said. See, you guys, how many of these are negative and how many can be positive?
2: A lot of them just feel like lessons that need to be learned. Well, they're okay. neutral phrases.
0: Well, he, he made a good point. Though. But
2: yeah, 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 yeah sorry. these just sound like a lesson to me.
1: I mean, all those are neutral. The core of those words are neutral. Right. All of them. They're not necessarily good words. They can can go in either direction.
2: I mean, the self-conceit, because conceit normally has a negative connotation. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, that one stood out to me.
2: Outside of that, they all, to me, and I guess even self-conceit. That is
1: neutral. Deceit would be negative.
2: That's not even Right. Okay. Totally fair. Right, right, right. Those
0: are not the same. I believe they are deceit and conceit. No, no, conceit- I feel like conceit is the
1: ah, neutral, neutral, okay. uh,
0: the neutron phase of, neutron. of
1: the seats here. I don't know if there's a positive deceit.
0: Uh, no, there's <laughs> unless it's probably for the greater good, like you're doing
1: some Robin Hood deceit. I feel like conceit is either deceit or not deceit.
0: Well, I don't agree with that, and it's also not true.
1: Well, Let's look at it. Up.
2: <laughs> hey Cortana,
0: it's not, it's not true. Oh, can you do your can. first
2: task of all uh, time?
0: She's going to do it. She's opening up.
2: Hey, Cortana.
0: Nope. Now he's got to like try to prove himself right. His ego is getting in the way that his wife actually knows this. This is my <laughs> it. I can't
2: help. If so, self-conceit has to do with conceited, no, then. That Brother is Robert, you're exactly right. what it is. Wow. Because everything
0: says self in front of the words for a reason. Because we're talking about the ego, which is a part of one person, which is yourself. Mm. So you're going to add self. And yes, most of them can be use as if you want to call it good and bad or healthy and unhealthy is the correct phrase all phraseology is that a word
1: hey whatever that i believe that's a word and you said it wait wait so (laughs) before i forget oh that remind that that magnificent insight reminded me of when you when we did (laughs) cults she pointed out that cult is in the word culture that was like a um, similar moment for me
2: oh i honestly didn't even
0: think about that it unlocking just, a
1: slight door. That's why I
0: love this podcast. So oh. okay, now let's prove Robert wrong here. Everybody, I'm already, like, I already so see that I'm wrong. So, so what is conceit? <laughs> Define conceit for us, Robert.
1: huh. <laughs> excessive pride in oneself
0: now now type deceit in
1: i was wrong <laughs> i already
2: can see Yeah, it.
0: because maybe some other people don't know that you're yeah. this guy no, but, uh, oh is
2: yeah like, yeah well, the this learning is place, lesson for you and for everyone listening
0: <laughs> right because you know what people have told us we have to rewind your podcast to fully catch on to everything because you guys move so fast so what is deceit robert
1: uh just call me robert miriam miriam whatever Deceit is the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. Which has nothing to do with conceit. They're both negative.
0: Oh, I just realized that con isn't conceit. Oh, there you go. Being Mm -hmm. conceited, like maybe you're conning yourself because none of that is true.
2: Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like then you got pros and cons and con just means negative. It doesn't mean selfish or anything like that. True. It's in a lot of words that are negative.
0: It's another angle on top of an angle. So you have like 50 angles. Besides
1: conducting. Well, you know what What
2: I actually think it's also indicative of is just the habit of pattern behavior. So true. Sinning. No,
0: just that people are creatures of habit. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah, like we're seeing con, con, and we're like, oh, man, I see this word everywhere. There's a pattern Mm -hmm. here, right? Right. Then it's like, oh, I noticed that the word D before every word means this thing. There seems to be this pattern. You know what I mean? And obviously, that's probably a super simplistic overview of what people will generally do in conspiracy theories. Mm I have
1: a quick conspiracy for you. is it conspiracy or is it the truth? It's probably the truth. 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 I don't have many examples of this, but there's a whole book about it. It's about the intent behind the creation of the English language and how there's sort of like pagan undertones in all the words. There's a bunch of like a lot of common words. It's like so the code. The, the one that I can remember is mourning. Spell it with the O-U and then you're mourning somebody at a it's funeral. Sad.
2: Someone was saying to me that you shouldn't say good morning to people. Yeah, Oh, that's exactly. so deep. So that's yeah. the first thing of the day is mourning. Right. <laughs> like so oh man let's mourn they would break. say good morning meaning That's like you know have a good day of grieving suffrage
0: you know what i never really say good morning though <laughs> i just realized that i'm usually like i hate you everybody that came near me while i wake up
1: <laughs> <laughs> have fun grieving
0: oh man but also this reminds me of not numerology but the word that
1: gematria Gematria. yeah and
0: it probably ties in but this it does a whole it, different yeah. topic so <laughs> hold on, we, we're psychoanalyzing too much. Yeah. Okay, so
1: psycho cybernetics, super ego. Is we need to get back into
0: <laughs> no, because it's not what this is. So <laughs> he's probably like, "What are these people talking about?" But no,
2: this no, I. No, I'm trying not to have my breathing being like <sighs> all over the microphone.
0: No, I haven't heard one yeah. obnoxious
2: breath like that. I have heard you step away from the mic to maybe take an obnoxious breath. I probably should have gotten my mic stand when I was getting everything else. Are you standing? Both standing and sitting. I'm going between the two, but I have essentially been holding a microphone this entire time. I saw that. I saw you bust that out. You're about
1: to karaoke.
2: That motion, because if you noticed, I actually never admitted. I was actually talking while getting my chocolate almond milk earlier.
0: Oh, you lied to
2: us. And that's probably where you heard the noise of me with my hand on the microphone moving around. Right. Oh, that was when we were talking about deceit.
0: Deceit already. In this in this (laughs) friendship. First episode actually
2: no, I think it was before deceit pre deceit. That was sneaky. Pre-deceit. I'm pretty quiet. I got some ninja like I mean, I got two cats, so I've learned silence well. (laughs) Oh,
0: I have my Kiki and she's loud like me.
1: We can all learn from our cats.
0: So, okay, there's a couple more things because you know we did go on a lot longer, but I actually really enjoyed it.
1: Is this a Lord of the Rings bit?
0: What?
1: Is it going on three hours?
0: No, I don't. That's think
1: not so. bad. I'm just. We can
0: cut it in half. <laughs>
1: I just wanted to reference Lord of the Rings, I guess. Two hours. Okay, we're going. Which
2: my wife would appreciate because she actually looked at me when she heard Lord of the Rings. She was like, "Oh, to
0: really? Of All wide-eyed and bushy-tailed." You, you didn't for Lord tell of
2: the her Rings. that that's what this episode is about. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, if it was, trust me, she would be having a lot to say because she is a huge Tolkien nerd. She's even got, um, not all that glitters is gold. No, what, what, what is the thing that
0: you? That's had? a Backstreet Boys song.
2: But she here's, uh, a, here's a a thing. A she has a Tolkien mouth. quote written I in smell. Elvish tattooed on her in the Four. Elvish alphabet. Okay, Legolas.
0: That's fine. I personally did not <laughs> get into it. I watched all the movies. I read one of the books. Oh,
2: she's that. got all the books. The Cimmerillion and all, like, everything. I don't know what that is. I
0: like Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Nice.
2: <laughs> you don't know what that is. Nice. <laughs> I no, he doesn't. That. My favorite book is Hitchhiker's God of the Galaxy. <gasps> oh, oh, That's my oh.
0: favorite, favorite book, isn't it, Robert?
2: Yeah, the movie was trippy.
1: That's
0: my oh, most it's also favorite, favorite book i never read the
2: book. Never oh, the book's the phenomenal. I, I have two ultimate editions one that i let people borrow and then one that's leather bound and gold leaf that i keep in the backseat of my car mm.
0: whoa
2: because i'm that nerdy
0: i want to borrow series. it i like
2: love that series everyone thinks that i'm some kind of like weirdly culture person because they just see a leather bound book in the back seat right da Vinci. And it's like it's just it's just sci-fi comedy ah uh. no that's
0: not just sci-fi that's just there's so much knowledge and deeper things in there. Oh, there's
2: so much in there. Yeah, it's such a, am- I mean, Douglas Adams really, I have a lot of his books actually. I also have like Dirk Gently's, uh, you know, uh, Detective Agency. Dirk's Bentley's brother.
0: <laughs> what? No, no, that's really cool. That's like the best book
2: of all time, really. Oh, yeah. Hitchhiker's got the galaxy. I, I literally try and force my wife to watch the movie with me whenever I end up putting it on for the it's background. It's the best. Oh, it's it so good. good. What what an underrated. That movie gets like no credit, but it's got such an amazing cast. It and does. it's so funny. I quote that movie all the time.
1: It's very third eye open material.
2: Well, it's very mm.
0: sci-fi. Well, with a lot of undertones. They that, usually are. Under the guise of humor that can be very relatable to our world.
1: Yes. You said the book's gold plated. I would think it was a dead sea scoop. No, it's
2: leather-bound gold leaf. So like the edges of the (laughs) like the Bible sometimes. Yeah, like if you've ever seen like a leather-bound Bible, how it's got like the gold trim on the edges of the pages. And it
0: always crusts off.
2: It's always got that shimmer at the end.
0: So it's not a match. I was just
2: thinking of a a gold bar.
0: Okay. Moving on. That has pages. Inferiority (laughs) complexes. What do you guys think of? What is an inferiority complex? And can you come up with A good analogy for, you know, do a little skit about it.
1: I'm not going to do a skit, but...
0: Why not? Tiny peepees and big trucks.
1: (laughs) This person thinks that everybody's better than her. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Living in the shadows, like very little self-confidence. That stems from a long, bedraggled marriage.
0: Well, it's everything. Nature and nurture again. And
1: childhood, you know. She'll be like, oh, like, look how chubby my arms are. And she's like, not fat. Yeah. You know, she just she sees everything in herself as an imperfection. Uh,
0: Which a lot of people say that when you look in the mirror, they have body dysmorphia. It's ooh, on that it kind could of level. It be like
1: a pity ego.
0: Uh, well, I was going to say Mikey Pash <laughs> says when he thinks in inferiority complexes. Then we can tie that into the ego.
2: Yeah, when I think of inferiority complex, I just think of. Similarly, so just someone who isn't satisfied with who they are, so they have to overcompensate in another way, right? Um, is usually how I see it. So, like, if someone has an inferiority complex, they're so worried about feeling inferior that they will overcompensate in another way, so. I don't know if this might even be a proper example or not, but an example that I would use is someone who is like super jockey, testosterone ridden. You know what I mean? Like they just really need to work out and be fit, but it's also because they're so uncomfortable with their own body.
0: Because their dad talked crap to them at a young age. Yeah,
2: exactly. Because their dad talked crap to them about how they'll never be enough and they'll never be strong enough to take me on. Now they have that inferiority complex and they suppressing to, the shame. Like John Wayne Gacy.
1: Suppressing the shame at all Yeah, times.
2: exactly. But through overcompensation is almost the antithesis of it. Right. Uh, is usually how I've seen it.
0: But honestly, we can't even really be the full on judge of that. Right, right. Yeah,
1: you can only assume. But if they were subjected to being treated that you, way, that's where be. they got it from.
0: Right. You absolutely could 100% be right. Some people pick up more on things, they have a better intuition than others. For everybody out there that's listening, just because somebody thinks differently than you doesn't mean you're wrong or right because that's what, once again, this is all about because we're your favorite panel of non-experts. So a little bit of brainwash there on the Psychedelic podcast. (laughs) So what I found interesting is that inferior to me sounds almost like a pitiful word. When I think of someone that's inferior, it's like a small person that can't help it and They get made fun of and and it's a sad word to me, but you add the word complex and it changes the whole phrase up. And then I read this article saying that inferiority complex can still mean a big ego, which is what you were describing, Rob. That's a big ego actually, or not a big ego, but an unhealthy ego because she doesn't feel good about herself to the point of detriment to herself because Mm -hmm. it's her ego getting in the way of just accepting that, yes, things change and your body changes as you get older and things are different. And she's constantly seeking that negative response for her her ego.
1: Her even expressing any feelings or thoughts of being inferior. I could see how that could come off as a sense sense of self-importance. They feel like they have to constantly talk about themselves in that way so they must think that they're the most important thing to be talked about a lot of the time it's
0: just in used in an unhealthy mannerism
1: yeah being self-absorbed
0: it is conceded too
1: yeah those are the people that aren't asking other people how their day is going or how they're doing emotionally for me anyway from my personal experience Yeah, from that
2: story that's different ways that it probably shows up in different people in different ways speaking in the same terms based off their ego Right. Based off of who they are and how they react to things, nature versus nurture, their response in that inferiority can be vastly different because the example in yours is vastly different than mine, but they're the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. If anything, trying to just be more aware is what leads people to a deeper understanding of why, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where I think that that's where a lot of the if you want to call it healing comes from.
1: It is mindfulness.
2: I try and look at everything with that end positive spin because remember I said earlier that I think the ego is never fully developed. I believe in redemption for everybody, no matter what. So even those who might be suffering currently, like that example in yours, who really doesn't think highly of themselves, I don't know, have them take some shrooms or like, you know, flood the river of thought. Obviously I'm being facetious, don't have I wish you would. No, I really (laughs) wish you would though. Well, because there's like a whole science behind flooding the river of your brain. It kind of lets that ego almost redefine. Mm-hmm. But I think that whether or not you do it from choice of, you know, substance or just by meditation and study of self.
0: That's up to themselves. Exactly. Though.
1: For me personally, the, su- perspective, the substance was the catalyst for the awakening.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, yeah. What the uh, big brain explosion to stone date theory? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the yeah. cataclysmic shroom.
0: I trip acid every time I crack
2: my back.
1: Apparently. Just kidding. Oh, uh, that's a myth? It's kind of a myth. It's a myth. I think
2: I think it was like, I guess it's one of those urban myths, right? Well, it does
0: release a small amount, but not enough to make you messed up. To that level? Yeah, it's in your spinal fluid forever.
2: It's a rural myth. Oh, well, that makes sense.
0: They probably did that on purpose because the CIA created it. Yes, Indeed. So, I mean, why wouldn't they want to keep something that they created in everyone's body that they can?
2: That is a brilliant question.
1: <laughs> and then they let a select few people manufacture and spread it across the world, and then they arrested them. Oh, yeah. that's a documentary about it.
2: Yeah. Oh, really? What's that? What what documentary is that?
1: I'm not sure. It's about the original the farmers' names, the founders of acid. In the documentary, it doesn't they don't say that. It was a creation in a lab by the CIA.
2: A German guy. What's his name?
1: It wasn't uh,
0: Karl Marx. No, it was
2: not. Ulrich, <laughs> Ulrich von Guggen, Schmelz.
0: Guggenheimer.
2: I thought it was like Lasser, right?
0: That sounds familiar. Lasser? I thought they were Jewish. Like a German name. I don't want
2: to say it's like Eric Lasser. Uh, it that could be. That,
1: that sounds familiar. It's a really cool documentary. I, I wish I remember the name. Well,
2: one of my favorite history peoples are these two comedians that go by the dollop. And that's what I'm trying to pull from. They actually did one on the guy who created LSD. Oh. I just remember he was a German fellow who made his way to America. Yep. They set up shop in San
1: Francisco at first. I and, think so. And then they're on uh, the run the whole time.
2: Man, there was even like that hippie who just was so soaked in drugs. What was his name? Timothy Leary. That's him. Him and one other dude were the original two. Timothy Leary focused on psilocybin specifically. I was going to say
0: it was mushrooms, psilocybin. Yes,
2: yes, exactly. I guess they didn't cover the... Well, It was probably both. I don't know. It was both. No, it was 100% both. But the German dude Lasser, if I recall correctly, is the one who really discovered LSD. And Leary was deep in studying all of it, but his was initially a study in psilocybin, which is the main ingredient in mushrooms.
0: So they paired up and then
2: they did some stuff. Did adventures. Timothy Leary got caught up in a whole bunch of shenanigans and probably has done more acid and drugs than any human being ever.
1: The first dude that you said, the other guy, he snitched on everybody at one point. He had Asperger's and like he didn't, Mm. he was like under federal detention about to be locked up forever.
0: I actually just thought of this. Do people that have Asperger's have that sense of Ego? Absolutely. Okay. So they just can't control it. It's a little bit harder for them to control. I see.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about such a complex system that is the human body, just a different wiring.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I understand that. You'd have to be
1: a neurologist or a brain chemist.
0: But some people like psychopaths, they still have-
1: Neuroscientists, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Neuroscientists. Yeah. Psychopaths have a much smaller prefrontal cortex- yeah, for example. And some parts of the brain, certain people don't light up as others do. They don't light up ever.
2: So interesting.
0: That's why I asked this question. I know that none of us can answer it. And I'd probably have to talk to actual scientists to get. The right,
2: exactly. That. Like you said, we're your favorite non-experts, right? Kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love to pontificate off of these kinds of things, you know, pontificate. It's, I like that right I like there. big words.
1: I already can use the context clues and know what it means.
2: What does it I mean? mean I you? get them from comic books. Exemplifies. Books and my best friend. He's such a weird nerd. But there's like a even a word called rote, but not W-R-O-T-E. It's just like R-O-T-E. R-O-T-E. And I forget what complex emotion it was supposed to be for. But it was like he used it in the context where I was like, wait, what does that word mean? Right. What is that word rote?
0: It's a Shakespearean type of word, I think. Yeah, I think
2: it's like a like real writing. literature word. You know it what I mean? Suspicious. Like a, as opposed to a fake literature word. <laughs> um, Ye old English. Yeah, let me see. Rote definition. I'm I'm curious. Mechanical or habitual repetition of something to be learned.
0: Ah, okay. So interesting. A poem
2: learned by rote in childhood would be the example used in a sentence. Yeah, we
1: just need our uh, gematria converter.
0: Yeah, right. We, remember I was trying to make you look up all those words in gematria and you were just not having it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> as we chisel away.
0: I was oh like, yes. no, you need we, to look this
1: As we way. chisel away the blinds to lift from our eyes. The,
0: the
2: matrix. Almost from the matrix. like this is rote behavior.
0: Oh, it is.
2: Right? Oh. Stemming from. That was an accident there. Yeah, you go We're trying to use the words in practice.
0: This is good. We're loving it.
1: <laughs> My id really snatched <laughs> that one up. It, why
0: is your id <laughs> popping <laughs> off right now? That's not right.
1: Fed that to my super. <laughs> Do you
0: meant your super
2: ego? Yeah. Do you meant Did I say
1: that? No, nah, right? the id is the subconscious.
2: Yeah, it's like your instinctual subconscious. Oh, right? okay. just
1: wants super- to say reptilian brain all the time. Stay she said it on like four episodes.
0: That's because it's where my brain goes.
1: It was appropriate huh. every time.
0: Anyhow. So earlier I was talking about how the ego is often associated with narcissistic tendencies. And so that is equivalent to superiority complex and being self-absorbed. In other words, if a person has a quote unquote big ego, it probably means they're very caught up in me, mine, and I, which going back to Rob's story, that's very much how it is. I don't feel well, or I don't look good. Or just mm. the my generalized. Face looks dumb right now. Well, generalized. Just like, I just,
1: I just, I don't know.
0: I just don't know.
1: It's yeah. like, okay, nobody asked you if you knew anything. Right.
0: Okay, before we end our very egotistical conversation, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> this was a really good conversation. I think we hit so many points. This never really happens. I think you're my favorite panelist ever.
2: Oh, thank you. Brass knuck. I appreciate the kind words and I had a blast talking on it. It's always helpful when you have a fun topic, psychology-based type stuff or just, you know, things to really dive into. So it's a great joy to be a part of and looking forward to the next time, obviously, as we discussed.
0: We're going to stay nerdy then. One last thing. Describe yourself in six words.
2: Spoonie Bard, Zarkin fruit Cool Dude. Okay. Nice. Was that Orcish? Zarkin fruit is a Hitchhiker's God of the Galaxy reference, actually. Uh, that does. Sound, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, a Zarkin fruit is someone who knows where their towel is. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's it's essentially a complex way of saying a suave, dandy, go with the flow. They have a lot of cool words. Well-groomed. What? No.
0: No, baby.
2: Actually, often well-groomed is not <laughs> a Zarkin fruit is just someone who knows how to make their way around the galaxy cheaply, yes. kind of like a hitchhiker bum, but like in a peace of mind, almost bro kind of like. It's so
0: important throughout the whole book.
2: Yeah. It's like a theme throughout the book is to be a Zarkin fruit and to know where your towel it's is. It's a trope. Yeah, um. it is a trope.
0: Oh my yes. gosh. There it is. Okay. Okay. Look at that. Full circle.
2: So That's Spoonie bro. Bard is from Final Fantasy Four. Zarkin Fruit is Hitchhiker's God of the Galaxy and then Cool Dude was technically a Big Lebowski reference but it could be used for whatever you want.
0: Oh yeah, the plates. No, not the plates. I'm thinking of something else. Anyways, thank you so much We're doing a Texas goodbye. I didn't know New Yorkers did it too but it makes sense because you're Italian.
1: I just want to say I'm glad that you're interested in psychology because I feel like it matters it matters
0: to take it apart and pick it apart for people that don't understand it fully like us
2: how could you not be absolutely and i feel like i'm always learning so you know it's just great to learn together with other people so we'll be jiving again very soon looking forward to hearing not only back from this but you know keeping in touch with you guys in the future
0: Awesome. So, thank you so much, Mikey.
2: Thanks, Mikey Pash. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. I wasn't sure if you guys were going to press record and then say goodbye afterwards or whatever. Oh, shoot. No, I
0: forgot that I was still... I I hit the bowl.
2: (laughs) Ah! Cheers.